listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. As some people would say, it's good to be seen. Yeah. All right. Well, here we are already at Palm Sunday. That means next week's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, whatever you want to call it, celebration. Last year, we met out in the parking lot, and that was a bold, risky move, but we did it. So here we are in person, online still, and... uh, God will be praised. God will be praised. So we praise him today. Amen? Okay, let's read the scripture. Uh, Each gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, has a version of what we call the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, beautiful story. And uh, today the kids are learning about this. I watched the video that Christina is going to show them, kind of a cartoon version. I thought that'd be fun, but then I thought it would be maybe inappropriate. But uh, no, it was a good video. It was not inappropriate. All right, very good, very good. Um, the disciples don't really talk. They just kind of, <laughs> so it's fun, fun. Uh, if you want a link, Chris will send it to you. What I'm trying to say is, I learned about this in Sunday school, about Jesus riding in and the palm branches, and it's a great Sunday school story. But it is so rich, and there's so many layers, and there's so much much depth here, and we're going to attempt to kind of dig in a little deeper. Okay? Anybody ready to dig in deep today? Yeah. Yeah, great. All right. So Luke 19, we're going to look at Luke's version. Luke in Colossians, we find out, was most likely a physician, a doctor of his day. He traveled with Paul in the book of Acts, which he wrote. Uh, Many scholars call it Luke Acts, because it's just like they flow into each other. One narrative about Jesus and then the early church. Luke is considered to be an excellent historian, one who writes down the facts. And there's many things in Luke that line up with archaeology and with history. Now, one Bible scholar said he's an excellent recorder of the facts, but when he gets into the miraculous stuff, that's where we have to kind of question if all that really happened. You know what? I believe that those are facts just as much as which town was where and what happened. Our God is able to do above and beyond anything we could ever imagine. And so Luke records it here. He records it in an orderly fashion. And he tends to be very descriptive. So we're going to read this from Luke 19, verses 28 to 44. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. That's another fact. Jerusalem is 
up. He's come from Jericho, which is at the Dead Sea, which is one of the lowest places on earth. And Jerusalem, Jerusalem is up. So you had to climb to get there. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord needs it. Good enough answer for them. Just as Jesus said. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road, and as, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Lord, we just thank you today for your word, that it's alive, that it's powerful. God, I just ask you to bless your word. Give us light. Lord, the entrance of your word gives light. Your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. God, light and illuminate our way by your word. We thank you today. Lord, show us in the spirit what you want us to see. And I thank you for each person listening today. Bless them, bless their ears, bless their hearts. God, we thank you that we have your word. It's a great treasure, Lord. But beyond your word, the treasure is you. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So it's Palm Sunday. We read the story. And I wanted a real neat three-point sermon. I haven't done one of those in a while just to show you that I can do it. And I like them to alliterate. So I've got three points. Partnership. Point two is praise. Point three, I couldn't come up with another P word. 
It's expectation. So that was PPE. Thought that was kind of funny. PPE, after this year, a year ago, I didn't know what PPE was. Now I find PPE all over the place, in the parking lot, and the personal protective equipment. All right, Christina knew what PPE is because she works in a lab and has to have that. I worked in a medical clinic, and I should have remembered what it was from 20 years ago. But anyway, PPE is the way you're going to remember this. Partnership, praise, and expectation. And we're going to march right through this scripture because there's so much here. Okay, partnership. Partnership. God partners with us to bring his will to the earth. Isn't that cool? That God of the universe, of the heaven, who doesn't need us, God can do, speak. God created us. We, we've looked at it the last two weeks. Why not bring it into the third week? From Ephesians 2, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works with God, which God prepared ahead of time that we would walk in those good works. So he's got a purpose and a plan for us and things for us to walk in. And he had these 12 disciples, apostles, followers. He was a Jewish rabbi. A rabbi would have those who would leave everything and follow them and learn from them. And so he had the 12 in his inner circle. There were many disciples, as we see in this particular passage, but there were 12 that just traveled with him and knew him real well, and he picks out two of these guys, two of them, and he says, we're going into Jerusalem, and we're going to go into this town, and I need you guys to run on ahead. Oh, yay, yippee, pick me, pick me. You and you, we don't know which ones they are. Okay, what are we going to do? Well, you're going to go into this town, and one of the other Gospels says there's a mother donkey and a colt, never been ridden, just a colt, young, young donkey. I don't know if any of you have worked with donkeys before. We had one in our uh, Easter production 20-some years ago. I just thought, this is my bright idea my bright idea that it would be so cool to have Jesus ride in through those doors on a donkey that would be so cool to have a live animal in the church just spectacular we did this passion play our youth pastor Butch was crucified on that very cross yeah that red is fake blood from his did someone clean the cross? Anyway, it's, <laughs> it's sacred. I can give you a wood chip after. But uh, that was a joke. That was a joke. You can go to Jerusalem and buy a piece of the cross, by the way. They'll sell you anything you want. So, okay, this illustration was not meant to be very long, but it's such a great story. So I had this donkey. I found a donkey in Midlothian, and they dropped him off, and he was tethered out here. And that thing would not move. He would not move. And I don't know how we did it. We got him to the door, and here was Jesus. 
And he led the donkey through this room and out the door. He never got on the donkey. So we were inaccurately portraying the passion of the Christ. Jesus was not on the donkey, but that donkey did walk through the thing. We did three or four performances. That was the donkey's one and only appearance in the passion play. All right, so why do I say this? Donkeys are not naturally cooperative, especially a colt, especially one that's never been ridden. So we're not told, but maybe they had the mom in front of it and it followed the mother. I don't know, but this was supernatural. Okay, the other supernatural thing, the method upon which they got the donkey for Jesus. Okay, this was not their donkey. You just go in there, you see a mama and a young donkey, probably not a baby, because Jesus was able to ride on this colt of a donkey. And you're to go up and just untie it. Just go up there like you own the place. Now, Jesus, you know, he knew what was going on. And he's like, just untie it. When they say, what are you doing? You tell them, God needs it. Now, this is not a prescription for how you're to act and go, you know, take someone's car. God needs it. I'll return it. Promise. They tell him, the Lord needs it. Okay. Bring it back. Just like Jesus says. So you have several people partnering here. You've got the disciples had to partner with Jesus to bring about this scene that's going to come. You have the donkey's mama who had to permit her colt to go along with these strangers. You had the donkey itself that had to permit Jesus to ride on it. And you have the owners of the donkeys. And all these things have to come together for what we call the triumphal ent entry to take place. All these things going on. Everyone had to cooperate. The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. What do we have that the Lord needs right now? Are our hands open so that he can use whatever it is within our hands? Are our hearts open that if God told us to go down and do something ridiculous, Borrow something that's not yours. That's ridiculous. Some commentaries I read said, oh, maybe it was a prearranged agreement. I don't know. It seems like a surprise to me or Jesus would have had to give him all these instructions. Are our hearts open that we would do what God would tell us to do? Are we willing to appear with Jesus? in the streets, as it were. Can we partner with God? And I'm just blessed, because he doesn't need any of us, but he wants us. He chooses, he chooses to put his spirit 
in us. He chooses to ride on our praises. That's what it says in Psalms, that he rides on, he sits on, he is enthroned upon our praises. And the humble part is just saying yes. Partnership with God. It's amazing that God wants to use us. Are we willing? Are we willing just to do it for no other reason? No other reason than the Lord has need of this right now. Right now. Right now. We have to have open hands and open hearts to partner with him. And it's him that does it. It's Jesus who got the praise. It wasn't the donkey that got the praise. It wasn't the disciples. They were the ones giving the praise. It wasn't the owner of the, oh, look, I saw that little donkey. Isn't that awesome of that owner to let? No, it was all about God. When we do stuff for God, with God, in God, however, he's to receive the praise. I love this, Jerome. I just want to give God praise today for my family, for my son. I give God praise every time I see this family. They have testimony after testimony after testimony. Miracles. Miracles. Guys, just talk to them. They'll tell you that this is what the Lord has done. It is marvelous in our eyes. Partner with God. Okay, so Jesus, they put the coat on the donkey's back and... People run out, and they grab palm branches, and the word gets out. Well, Jesus is pretty popular right now with the common man. Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. That was pretty spectacular. Word of Jesus and his miracles in Galilee has reached Jerusalem. Jesus, up to this point, this day, this time, has said, don't make this public. This is between me and God. This is between you and me. Don't tell anybody. A lot of people told people anyway. That's just how we are. How could they not, actually? But Jesus was not there to promote his own agenda. Jesus was there to promote God's agenda. Can we ever do just something for God and not have to put it in a newsletter or on a blog or on a... Woo! I'm preaching to myself. This is just between you and me. God says, this is between you and me. This is, this is mine. Okay? Now, when God wants something to go public, it will go public. Right? You can trust God to be your PR person. This is not of my notes. God will do your PR, and you can do his, but you cooperate. You partner with him. This is his business, not your business, right? Okay. Praise. Praise, praise, praise. Okay, praise, 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 praise. Jesus rides in on the colt. It says, so he could fulfill Zechariah 9, 
9. This is an awesome prophecy from the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. That's how I remember the last four books. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, look, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey can you get any more accurately prophetic than that he is coming humbly into the city gates now kings and priests and those in authority could enter a city as conquerors usually upon a horse they could also come upon a donkey, but the symbolism was different. The symbolism is, I'm coming in peace. I'm not coming to lord it over you. I'm coming on your behalf. Now, historically, the conquering party, the victor, would come into the city and to liberate the city, and people would cheer, and the palm branches were part of it. And they would praise this person and they would head for the temple of their God within the city and they would make a sacrifice. This is something that would happen in their culture. There was a lot of conquering of different nations and cities and places. And here's Jesus coming in, fulfilling prophecy, and people start praising. He was the prince of peace. And people started quoting from Psalm 118. Let's look at Psalm 118. Verses 25 through 27. The, this, the whole psalm is talking about coming Messiah. But verse 25, save us, we pray, O Lord. That's the word Hosanna. Hosanna means save now, save us. The root of Hosanna is the root of Jesus' name. Yeshua, Hoshia, save, salvation, deliverance, set us free. It's a cry for deliverance, a cry to be saved. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Lift up your heads. They're shouting praises, but in their praises, they're identifying that this is the coming king. But yet it says in Luke, Luke gives us this detail, this interesting detail. Who starts the praises? It says the disciples, the disciples. The whole multitude of his disciples in Luke 19, 37 began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works. That word mighty works is dunamis. It means 
power. They recognized that power had been released and power demands a response. It's like that winning touchdown. Your team, man, in the last minute, you're going to get up and you're going to scream, whether you're at home in your living room or whether you're at the stadium, you're going to just spontaneously burst into praise. Spontaneous. Heartfelt. It's a response, a reaction to something amazing that you've seen. That Maybe some of them were there and they saw Lazarus come out of that tomb. Beyond the point of when he could just, oh, he was just sleeping. He just taking a nap in there. I guess they wrapped him up, you know, during a nap. I don't know. He was, no, he was well gone. The stench of death was upon him. That's why they put all those perfumes and ointments and embalming because, I mean, if you ever had a dead something near you, don't look at your neighbor. All right. We had a dead mouse once that had crawled up. Well, the, he was alive when he crawled. Um, <laughs> over at the coffee house, and we were having an event, and it got chilly, and we turned on the furnace. <laughs> the worst stench came out of the vents. So we ran in there and checked, and there's this crispy critter in there. Stinky, little varmint. Not cool. All right, so Lazarus was well gone. I think you got the picture. It says that. Lord, if you'd only been here. How many times have you said that? <laughs> this would have never happened in my life, God, if you had been with me. Well, God said he would never leave you or forsake you. It happened. God's still with you. He's the God not of the 11th hour, not of the 12th hour. He's God of past dead. Ezekiel. God said, can these bones live? I love Ezekiel's response. Lord, you know. Don't make me answer that. God, you're God. Is anything too hard for God? No. What limits God? What is the only thing that can limit God? You and I? Our negativity. Our refusal to partner with him. Lazarus, come forth. He must have hopped out of that grave because he still had grave clothes on. He's tightly bound. He's a mummy. Okay, this is worse than any 50s horror film. Okay, the, the mystery of the hopping mummy. He comes out and they said, loosen those grave clothes. He's alive. Who were among those disciples? People who had been healed in their limbs. People who were blind, perhaps, and now could see. Or people who saw the miracle, the death. Those who couldn't speak, who are now able to shout praises. Whoa! Yes, it was a joyful celebration. And Jesus is allowing this to happen it is spontaneous. It is public. Public. Wow. Wow. Is our praise 
Do we praise? Do we praise when God does something good? I don't care how small. Maybe you found a last-minute coupon and your ground beef was half price. Hey, that's something to get excited about. God can do it. God can and will do what he needs to do in your life to be glorified through your life. And all you have to do is partner with him and then give him the praise. Give him the credit. This wasn't me. This wasn't my great idea. This was 100% God. And so there they were, praising God in the city, in the streets. Next scene. Not everybody was praising God that day. You had the religious folks watching all this, putting two and two together, and realizing that the psalm that was being quoted was about the coming king. You see, they had a special agreement with Caesar. When Jerusalem was conquered the first time by Rome, they allowed them to have their temple and their sacrifices. You leave us alone, and we'll leave you alone. The Jewish people had a special agreement. And the ones in power were there because Rome allowed them to be in power. But here's this guy coming in through the gates of the city, and everyone's going crazy, and they've been wanting to get rid of him for quite some time because he didn't look like they thought a king should look. He didn't speak like a king should speak. And he didn't necessarily like them because they didn't represent his father very well. They were more caught up in their own traditions and being recognized. And so they became enemies. And, and they had the nerve to speak to Jesus in this moment. Jesus, if you're any kind of rabbi whatsoever, tell them to stop. Shut them up. What is this crazy praise that's going on? Jesus didn't stop them. He said, they have to praise me. If they don't praise me, the very stones, the rocks would cry out. Praise must arise from planet Earth. Wow. Jesus deserves our praise. Jesus desires our praise. Let's praise him, guys. And then the final, final few details of this story. Jesus when he saw the city, 
wept. And this is really not just shed a little tear. It's a heartfelt, almost a wailing, an emotional response saying, would you, even you, would you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You didn't know God was doing something in your midst. Man. Expectation. Expectation. They had an expectation of what God was supposed to look like, of what Jesus was supposed to look like, of what the Messiah would do when he arrived. And he didn't meet any of those expectations. And lest I judge these Pharisees and the people of Jerusalem, I have to ask myself sometimes, when God's doing something, do I know that it's God? Just because it doesn't look normal? Oh, man, read your revival history. A lot of weird stuff went on. Read about Azusa Street. I mean, the preacher just sat behind. His pulpit was a crate. And he had his head on the crate. And all these people just were falling around and speaking in strange languages. And people outside for blocks around were being touched by the Holy Spirit. And that revival went around the world. <laughs> there have been moves of God that people didn't understand that it was really a move of God because it didn't meet their expectations. When the Jesus people came in, oh man, I was a church kid and all these hippies came to church and they didn't smell too good and they really looked bad. They looked like the people on the news that were getting arrested for protests. But yet they had this glow on their face and this glint in their eyes and they're like, whoa, heavy dude, God. It's doing amazing things far out. And there was a guy in California, Chuck Smith, who actually invited them to come in. And he said, you guys can sit down on the floor. Doesn't matter if other churches are kicking you out. I want you to come in. And, and you can bring your music, too. Bring your guitars to church. And it started this whole Maranatha music thing. Revival. But the organist didn't like it. <laughs> she might have been out of a job. I've been in more than one church where the organist was in charge. Didn't feel like God. And they looked so awful. And actually, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's right in there. And God will need to clean you up before you can come in. That's in there, too. You look good enough, you smell good enough, and you learn how to speak well enough, and then God will accept you. That ain't in there. 
if God were to show up, would we recognize him? His disciples knew. They missed it. But Jesus didn't condemn the city. He wept over it. The world may not recognize when he comes to town. We're praying God just shows up in a mighty way. Wouldn't that be awesome? Not everyone's going to recognize that it's God. But his heart is not to condemn them. His heart is to weep over the city. Because sure enough, in 70 AD, about 40 years later, the Romans did tear that city apart. And not one stone was left on another. This is history. This is fact. And Jesus predicted it. And sometimes we have an expectation that God's going to do this, 2020. It's going to be miracle, vision, 2020. Oh, we're going to rebuild our church in six months. It's going to be better than ever. I'll keep laughing. Funny for you. We have expectations. Oh, let me not even talk about the election. Oh, people were having dreams and visions right up until, no, weeks after. Weeks after. Okay, Arlen. All right, fine. And I don't know what's going to happen. Guess what? That doesn't change my expectation of God. Just because what I thought was going to happen didn't happen doesn't mean that God's not still God. I'm still partnering with him. I'm still praising him. And I have an expectation, whether I predict it or not, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. Anybody have that book in their house? Sharon and I, we had it. All right. It was at the Christian bookstore. I thought, well, it'll be nice if it happens. How long ago was that? Okay. Okay, so you know what I'm saying here. It doesn't always turn out the way we think it will, but, but, when in the 70s, Jesus was coming back like that year. We knew it. We're still waiting. It's okay. Because they thought he was going to set up his kingdom right there and then in Jerusalem, and they would all live happily ever after 2,000 years ago. But he wasn't coming to that moment, to that hour, to that time. He was coming to our time. He was coming to be king of the whole world because one day he's not riding in on a little donkey. He's going to come on a white horse and take over the whole world and set up a throne in Jerusalem. This stuff is going to happen, guys, and we're going to see it whether we're still living here or coming back. Don't get disappointed if something doesn't work out the way you thought it would because it's not the immediate always that God 
is interested in. Mike shared it. It's a generation after the generation after the generation after the generation that God wants to impact. And we are that generation. 2,000 years ago, we're still proclaiming who he is. And he will do what he said he was going to do. It may not be on my timetable, but he's God. He's God. Can you stand up with me, please? I think this is such a good word for right now because so much, many of us had such amazing expectations a year and a half ago. And then we had a pandemic. We had a shutdown. Then things started going crazy around the nation. Racial violence, things going on. You know what? God's still God. We're going to praise him. We're going to shout Hosanna. We're going to wave whatever we need to wave. And I just feel like today we need to lift it up and we need to say, God, you're still God. God, you're still God. And so today, God, we lift up our voices. We say, save now, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We declare you are God. We declare you are Messiah. We declare you are the ruler over planet Earth. You are the God of the universe. And when you say something will happen, it will happen. And God, we trust you. We trust you. Lord, even in our loss, even in our hurt, even in just getting up every single morning, God, you're a good God. And we just say, in this place, we declare to heaven and to earth, Lord, Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Father who is in heaven. Lord, let heaven come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just close today by lifting it up. Give him all our praise. Sing it out today. <clears throat>